matter what it does, just ignore it. Okay. Can I borrow your music stand over there? Yes. That would be great. Good morning. Moon tea, John Paolo, Kian Waiwa, Pinong tea, Asia, Song Gantak Tai Ma Hai, which is in the same way that Paul writes that the brothers and sisters send you greetings, brothers and sisters in Asia send you greetings. I can tell you that's true today. You have brothers and sisters in Thailand who would wish you well this morning and send you greetings. And so we're glad to have the opportunity to be back with you. It's about a year ago that we got to be here with you. We had a service on a Sunday night. Uh, in conjunction with the Baptist Church, I believe, last time we were here and got to share with you a little bit about what we're doing and what's going on. So a year later, it's nice to get a chance to be back and visit with you again and give you a little update. Now, there are about three areas we work in right now in Thailand. We've been back over there for two years, and so there's about three areas that our work is kind of focused into that we work in. We work uh, with a church in the middle of Bangkok, and Pastor Bay and his wife Juan there. I'm going to show you some pictures and things here in just a minute. Pastor Bay and his wife Juan in the middle of the city where they work with slum kids around the neighborhood where they're at. Then we're planting a new church with Pastor Jaron uh, in Sai Mai in, at the north edge of Bangkok. And you're going to get a chance to hear from him a little bit too. And then we have a lady that came in through our English ministry that was in a, a small group environment with us, a cell family. And she works with kids down in her village now. She's moved about four hours back out of the city and works with kids there. And so I'm going to give you a little update on what's going on with, with each one of those. But uh, I have a video, a couple of videos. I wanted you to see and meet some of these people, kind of. And the best way I could do that was to give you a little video glimpse of them. So I have a video segment here with Pastor Jerron. I think it's the first one we'll look at. And uh, you get a chance to hear from him a little bit. And I'll share with you what's going on with Pastor Jerron and Simon. today on the north edge of Bangkok with my good friend, Pastor Jaron, whom you've seen before, and just wanted to get you a chance to, to hear from him a little bit and visit with him. So, Jaron, thanks. Pastor Jaron, share with you just a little bit about his vision for what he'd like to see happen in this area where he lives and works. So, follow uh, เริ่มต้นการที่ทายที่เอกสัยไหมที่อยากจะให้เอกสัยไหมเนี่ยมีมีที่จะเกิดขึ้นเพื่อที่จะช่วยเหลือชุมชนสัยไหมนะครับให้
มีมีบางสองสองที่สามที่ค่าตามตามขึ้นทะเบียนกับกับจใช่ครับคิดว่าให้ให้ตัวนักงานนี้ได้ได้รู้จักกับนักที่จะเกิดขึ้นเพราะทุกอย่างจะเกิดขึ้นในนี้มีความฝันโอเค Kind of what's happening here, and what we want you to be in prayer with us about, and the things we're hoping to see happen in the coming months and time ahead. Simai literally translates "new way," and working with Jerun to develop a new way in Simai has become a main focus of our activities here. We have been coaching and prayer walking in the neighborhoods for about six months now. We just held a community block party that was attended by about 65 adults, teens, and children. We're in the process of preparing a space where we can conduct regular activities in the community. And so soon we're going to be starting a Saturday children's outreach and an alpha course for adults as well. So may Jesus be made famous in Manhattan. Mike, if you can actually jump to the pictures that we have in there, we'll show some of those here in just a second rather than the next video. Uh, the church plant is up and going in Saimai. We had had some community parties, a uh, Christmas party and then another party after that, and, but we are up and going now. We were working in that house that you saw there at the last, that's actually Pastor Jerome's house, and this is where we're working in the underneath part of his house to create a space. We'd look for a meeting room, maybe we could rent or something else we could do in the community, couldn't really find anything else that was going to work as well, and we'd rather get them right there where, where they live anyway. So we went in and started doing some renovation to make a meeting room. If you want to run a couple more of those, those real quick, it's just kind of where we were developing that out, where we could do English classes and some kids' ministry. And so we've got that up and going and uh, started English classes. I'm not sure what Jerun was expecting, but we got those going. And then the kids, we invited them in on a Saturday and and started a weekend kids gathering just to bring them in and be able to share the gospel with them and love on them a little bit. And, and so we're glad to have that up and going. The English classes ended up, that's where we focus a little bit more on some older folks as well. Uh, I think Jerome thought we'd get kids there too, but we actually had about 20 adults coming to English class when I was back out there uh, most recently. And so we're getting a good opportunity to network there. We'll hold up on those pictures. Let's jump over to City Church. But... Um, so things are happening, and we, we've gotten this moving. And as I mentioned in the video, this was a result of months of prayer walking and planning and trying to say, okay, where can we do this? Uh, Jerome's got such a vision and a burden for his community and no, no church influence there, and he's like, we've got to do something. And so just praying and look for opportunities. Like I said, we started out with some parties just to get with people and get to know them and begin to reach out to them. We go out and prayer walk the streets and spend time out there, and then we're looking for ways to minister. The idea of these English classes is... Uh, they study English in Thailand, but they struggle a lot with it. And to get any kind of tutoring is very expensive. So this is something we can do for them to serve them, to come in and provide it for free. And if they can get that kind of help from a native English speaker, that's a big deal to them too. And so it's just a way for us to connect with them and say, hey, here's a way we can bless you and help you. And then we look for other ways we can do that as well. And working with the kids, these kids are kind of considered at-risk kids where they live. Uh, on the edge of the city, it's a, a poor community. They have a, a significant drug problem in the area there and some gang activity and things that Jerome's really worried about these kids. 
So we're providing a place for them to be on, on Saturdays to come and get some gospel and get loved on and, and uh, get some things taken care of that way too. So we're just looking for ways to dig in and bless and through that looking for opportunities to, to share the message of the gospel. One of the uh, adult couples that was coming to English class, a very interested in English class, lives just down the street from Drun. We were walking one day and they invited us into the house. It's really exciting. Jordan says, I've never been invited in before, you know. So we got invited <laughs> into the house, and we're sitting there and visiting a little bit, and the wife starts asking questions. She's just like, why are you doing this? Why do you do this stuff? And it just opened up an opportunity to say, we've been loved and blessed by God. How can we not turn around and love and bless people around us? And then she just kept asking questions. Well, tell me more about this. What does this mean? And her husband kind of chimes in and gives the response we hear so much in Thailand. Well, religion, all religions are a good thing. All religions are good. They teach us to be good people. I said, no. I said, I have to disagree with you. I said, Jesus didn't come to teach us to be good people. Jesus came because we're not good and we had to have somebody help us to be saved. The Bible doesn't teach me to be good. It teaches me that he came and died for me because I had to have someone to help. And so we, just out of their questions, had an opportunity to totally lay out the gospel in front of them. And and uh, they're still coming and hanging with us. They haven't come to a, a confession of faith in Christ yet. But uh, the wife is spending a lot of time with Malai, Pastor Duran's wife, and just very close with her right now. So we're very excited and hopeful about what God's doing in them and among the other people that we're working with there. And so we're, we're pumped. We're excited. It's an opportunity to reach out. Uh, City Church is another part of what we do. I've got another video. I want you to meet Pastor Bay face-to-face this way. So I'm going to run a video from there and we'll update you on what's happening with them too. planting of City Church, but Bay is a contact I had from when I was in Thailand years ago, and he wasn't pastoring at that time, 
when I got back, I had a mutual friend that said, hey, Bay's pastoring this church over here on Akamai. You need to go hang out with him. And so I started spending some time with him, and they were doing ministry to kids in the slums, and they were able to get with the kids one time a month. And they were like, we need to increase this and do this. And we talked to them about, well, we need to get outside the church and out in the community instead of just trying to bring all the kids to the church. And so over the last two years, they, we've kind of partnered with them and helped them to revision how they do kids' ministry. And they do bring kids to the church two times a month, but the other two weeks they go out into the communities and they do kids' ministry on location in those spots. And they, they're reaching like over 100 families uh, like on a weekly basis now that they're able to minister to. And these kids are growing. I mean, they're, they're growing. Last November, um, they baptized about 27 kids and teens. Uh, it was an exciting day. It was huge. It was awesome. And some of the kids that they've been working with for a while are, are teenagers, you know, now. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, we're realizing we've got some of these teenagers. And, and they were just kind of hanging around. But he said, we're realizing how to bring them into some community, too. And, and God's just sparked some revival in their hearts. And they've become the ones that are very actively ministering to the younger kids and, and engaged in what's going on there. And so we talked to them about getting them kind of into some, some community groups, kind of like missional community, a small group setting that was more focused on them. And then getting them active in serving. You know, if, if our faith is all about head knowledge and what we're getting up here and it never becomes a part of what we live out and what we practice, it's dead. It's really dead. And these kids, when they got involved with having that be not only an inflow but an outflow in their life, have just come alive. And it's phenomenal what's going on. While I was back with them in July, they, we had their second family camp for City Church. And we go down to Padia, and there's a little place down there we can use as a retreat center. And so we had a camp, and uh, 55 people went to camp this year. It was fantastic. They're just kind of a small gathering, so... But they, uh, they took this group of 55 down to camp, and of course we're doing all the usual camp things and having worship service, and I think there's a slide in here with me teaching, and, and got a chance to be a part of what was going on there, and then just games and activities like you would think of at camp outside and, and having fun. But the highlight was we got to baptize some people at the beach, and there were uh, nine people that got baptized on the beach, and this was a, a public holiday in Thailand this particular weekend. So the beach was loaded the day we were out there. We just went right out in the middle of all these people and baptized people. All the people are like, what's going on over there? It's fantastic. They're just singing worship songs and having a good time. We're baptizing these people out there and getting a chance to share a little bit that way too. But exciting things happening there as well. City Church is, is doing some great things that way. Thailand has been really hard soil for the gospel and reaching adults there is, is hard. You know, we, we try all the time to share the message with them. But I tell you what, this church is going to be a powerhouse in the future with these kids and teens that are growing up in the gospel now, that understand it, that get it, that understand what it is to live the gospel. But it's going to be a major, uh, major influence on their, their fellow citizens in Thailand for years to come. And so we're excited to be in partnership with, with City Church and what they do. Uh, one other very exciting thing, going back and forth to this camp, the place was about three hours drive out of the city, and so... Uh, Pastor Bay rode with me in the car. He wanted to talk a little bit, and he says, I'm really excited about what you're doing with Pastor Jerun and what you do with the other lady down south and what you're doing in other places. And he says, our church needs to be involved in touching other places more than just what we do here. And so he's capturing this heart for mission beyond even what his specific vision is. And he says, I want to know how to partner with you when you come back, and I want to know how to get involved in blessing other places and doing this too. So... We're seeing some huge growth in what's going on in, in City Church and what's happening with them. And so we're just ecstatic about that, just delighted. So 
I think, unfortunately, these pictures are most recently from what was going on in July. I don't think I had any pictures in here with Nung and Peter down south. Uh, Peter is in her village, and she, or Nung and Peter, they're in their village, and she teaches English for some kids in her community. She's from one of the seven ethnic tribal groups in Thailand, but she actually works not only with kids from their tribal group, but also the ethnic Thai kids in their area who nobody has really been able to reach or do much with. But by serving them and doing these English classes with them, it's opened an opportunity for us to go in and share gospel with them and Bible stories as well as teaching them. And so when we're in country, we try to go down and see her about once a month and try to resource her and Peter and continue to disciple them and be involved with their English classes and what they do and hang out with the kids. And so we're seeing some neat things happen there. One of the most exciting things about them that you may or may not have heard yet, probably not, is they're up around 40 years old and uh, had never had a child. And we were praying. We just said, we're going to pray for you. Well, not too long ago, Nung says, I'm pregnant. And so we're very excited. She's going to have a baby. Uh, gosh, I guess it's rolling around pretty quick. About the end of the year, first of the year, she'll be having a baby. So very excited for them and what's going on there too. So And just to see them growing in Christ. So lots of neat things going on. I'd be glad to share some more with you about that. Please be in prayer for these folks. They face challenges, very real challenges every day and some of the, the usual discouragements. And uh, Jerun right now in the church plan, of course, is, you guys understand, a new church and trying to make an influence on your community. He's going through this stuff of, I just don't see the results I want to see. And I'm struggling every day. And I feel like, you know, we're just spinning our wheels or we're doing these things. And so I was uh, messaging him Facebook, you know, in Messenger. And, and if you want to look at that, I'll show you because it's all in Thai. It's kind of cool. So we got this going in Thai. <laughs> He's messaging me the other night because he's feeling kind of discouraged, and I'm just reminding him. I said, you know, Duran, I said, when you're plowing the fields and planting the seed, you don't see the crops yet. You know, you don't see the fruit yet because he's complaining. I'm just not seeing the fruit I want to see. I said, that's not the time when you see it. You have to wait for it. And I said, even at that, Scripture says that we may plant and we may water, but it's God that makes it grow, and we've just got to allow him the time to make that happen, so... But if you have some more questions specifically about what's going on, please, we'll be around here when, when I get done speaking and when we're done with the service this morning. And if you want to see some, some Thai messenger stuff going back and forth, I'll show you some of that too. But right now, let's take a look to the Word of God. I'd ask you if you'd turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we'll take a look there this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. Yeah, I brought my readers this morning, but Mike's got me pretty well lit up here, so I'm probably in pretty good shape, you know. I'm 45 now, so I get to wear these some, and, and uh, so I tried to find some that at least looked a little stylish, but I, my kids tease me all the time because I'm kind of doing the trombone thing, you know, trying to, trying to get things in focus. Sometimes it's just not in focus, right? So we have to do what we have to do to keep things in focus so that we can see, and that's actually really what I want to talk to you about this morning is this idea of keeping things in focus. You know, the, the relationship that God wants us to have with him is, is wonderful, and it's awesome, <laughs> and what he's invited us into and what he's done for us. You know, we have the opportunity to receive the love of God, to be made his children, to be a part of his family. And along with that, we can be transformed. You know, we're made new, we're changed. And we're included in his purpose in what we do. We, we get to work side by side and hand in hand and, and in partnership with him. And we've been called to this. Mike mentioned it earlier. You know, God has called us. He's called us out of darkness into the light. He's called us into his family and he's called us into partnership with him. And it's every believer. It's not just one person here, one person there. It's not the people we may typically think of as those who serve like pastors and missionaries, but this is every believer. 
You know, as he's called us into that relationship, then we think back to Matthew 28, 19 and the Great Commission, and he says, you know, go and make disciples of every nation. And he's talking about every believer. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, when you have Holy Spirit power come on you and be in you, he said, you're going to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, another one of my favorite passages that tells us we're ambassadors for Christ as we share the message of reconciliation with people. But somehow, so many times we're, we're unprepared to fulfill that calling that God has for us and to step into that role that he has for us. And we can so easily get caught up in doing church rather than being the church. I think that's really dangerous for us here in America because we have our concept of what church is. Well, church is this building over here with a steeple and stained glass windows and it's the place you go on Sunday morning and you, you sing some hymns and you, you take an offering and you, you teach a, a lesson and we did church. And we get in the habit of, of doing church rather than being the church. We are the church, whether we have a building or not, whether it has a steeple or not, whether or not we get a chance to get together and sing songs, whether or not we do some of those other things we ever do, we are the church and we are his people and we are at work for him all the time. But somehow we, we lose that focus. So today I want to talk to you a little bit from Isaiah chapter six, because Isaiah was a man called of God and appointed to deliver his word. And in this passage, he tells about his calling, that time when his eyes were opened. And what he saw was life-changing. And so today, my question to you is, do you see it? Do you see it? Now, Isaiah speaks of people who have eyes to see, it says, but they don't perceive. And we live in a world full of distractions that capture our attention and make it hard to focus on what's really important. And sometimes we may struggle with seeing clearly because of the lenses maybe that we, we look through. Or sometimes I think we even close our eyes to things that we don't want to see. But like Isaiah, we're called of God and appointed to deliver his word. And to carry out that calling, we need to see what Isaiah saw. And it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and causes us to see and results in that transformed life. So let's take a look at Isaiah 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Isaiah has a heavenly vision here. 
And the things he sees are amazing and kind of strange and kind of profound. Even the angels he describes are probably not the way we imagine them. You know, it talks about them having six wings and, and what they do, and that's not usually the way we picture them. But he has a vision of something, and he sees in this vision really three things that I want to draw your attention to this morning. And the first very simply is this, that Isaiah saw the Lord. In verses 1 through 4, it talks about how Isaiah saw the Lord. And so as we're asking the question, do you see it? The first question we'd have to ask ourselves is, have we seen the Lord? You know, it's important that we, we understand the history of Uzziah here a little bit. Uh, because he says that this was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, Uzziah was one of the kings of Judah, and he was actually a godly leader. He was a pretty good leader. If you're familiar with the books of Kings and Chronicles in the Old Testament, the books of Kings go through all the kings of both Israel and Judah when the, when the country was divided. But the book of Chronicles goes just through the line of the kings of Judah. And so we're going to look at Chronicles for just a second. Uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, it tells us about King Uzziah. He was actually one of the good ones. There were an awful lot of them that weren't very good. But you know, the kings were meant to lead. It was very well understood in Israel that the king wasn't a king like most countries would think of their king. He was not the absolute ruler in himself. He was a ruler beneath God to lead God's people in God's country. And so Uzziah, we find, was actually one of the good ones. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. It says that Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. Could you imagine becoming king at 16 years old? Here he is, 16. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now, I would encourage you later today to take some time to read through the rest of this passage. I'm going to read a few more verses to you at the end, but I'm going to kind of summarize in the middle. It says that God gave him favor and strength, and he would go out to battle against their enemies, like the Philistines. You remember David fighting against the Philistines. God gave uh, Uzziah victory over the Philistines to where he even set up forts in their country. You know, he'd extended his borders that far. And he just grew the kingdom and he fortified Jerusalem and he was a great leader. And, and all the way down to the borders of Egypt, it says that he was doing great things and God was with him. And he had a great army around him and, and was just blessed in every way. But as he became strong and blessed, he became arrogant and proud. And so it became dangerous for him. And in fact, his pride led to his downfall. We're going to skip down to verse 16. It says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. And actually, I can summarize this story for you a little bit too. So he goes in there and the priests come in and say, hey, you're a king. You're not a priest. You're not supposed to be in the temple offering the incense. And he's like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm the king. But God steps in and it says that um, leprosy broke out on his forehead skin disease, leprosy broke out on his forehead and they saw it. And so they come and they're like, you got to get out of here. And it says all of a sudden he was very willing to go out too. He's ready to leave. So they take him outside, but it says in fact that he became a leper and was a leper till the day he died. Now in that time and place, there's no cure for leprosy. So he had to live away from everybody else in a separate house and could no longer go to the temple anymore. So the sad thing is that Uzziah is, is a godly leader, but he's someone who didn't finish well. 
and we really want to finish well, even if we don't begin well. It's more important that we finish well. But during most of Uzziah's life and his reign, he'd been a godly leader. He was someone to look up to and to follow. And I think that's significant when we get into Isaiah. And Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I think that's important because in the absence of that godly leader, there became a need for something more, a need to see something more. And I'm actually a little worried sometimes when I think about why don't we see God? I'm worried that today we may be very content only to see God through a godly leader, but not for ourselves. And I think that happens many times among believers in the church. You know, when we have great leaders and great pastors and great teachers, we're very content to come and hear what they have to say and to teach us. But many times we're only seeing the Lord through a godly leader and not really finding the vision that God wants us to have of him for ourselves. By being in his word for ourselves, by being in that time of prayer with him where God's speaking to our heart and dealing with us and drawing us out in the things that he wants us to do. So I pray that we would not be content just to see the Lord through someone else or through that godly leadership. Not that it's bad to have it. It's good to have godly leadership. But we need to see it for ourselves. So have we seen the Lord? Have our eyes been opened? You know, the vision that's described in Isaiah 6 is it describes this throne room of God and all the things that are going on there that are hard to imagine. It does line up with scripture, so we see it in other places. It's very similar to John's description in Revelation chapter 4 when he talks about how he saw the Lord in, in all of his glory and the, the, all the shining light around the throne and all the beauty that went along with that. It also relates to the heavenly sanctuary that we read about again in Revelation 11, 19. There's this idea that there is a heavenly uh, temple or place of worship where it takes place. And that, I think, is, is the pattern that Moses saw. When Moses was instructed to build the tabernacle, he said, build it after the pattern of what you've seen. And we read about that in Exodus 25. And I think that's the place of Jesus' offering. When we read in Hebrews chapter 9, it says Jesus, when he paid the price for us with his blood, that he paid that in a sanctuary not built with human hands that was beyond this earth where he made that offering before God. And so this is this place of worship. And it's something God wants us to be familiar with and something he wants us to know. And so he brings Isaiah into this by the vision. But as he sees that, this vision gave Isaiah a focus on the glory of God and of Jesus. And we know later writing in the gospel tells us, you know, we see throughout scripture, I don't think any prophet in the Old Testament told us more about Jesus and what Jesus would be like than Isaiah. His prophecies from hundreds of years before were a description. And in John 12, 41, John tells us that, that Isaiah had, had it revealed to him to see Jesus. And so we know that. But it would leave him with a better understanding of his message and his call. And the Holy Spirit wants to open our eyes to see God and to know him individually and personally and to have our lives transformed. It's not just about being a part of the church collectively, but it's who we are in God individually. So Isaiah saw the Lord. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, he also saw himself. He saw himself. And in verses five through seven, we see what that experience was like for him. You know, after the description of all those amazing things, in verse five, he says, woe is me, I am lost. I, I like the other translation that says, I'm undone. 
and he's panic-stricken and he's fearful all of a sudden as he has a clear revelation of God's holiness, he has a clear revelation of his own unholiness. And seeing God clearly will cause us to also see ourselves clearly at the same time and begin to understand that. And until we come to that same realization like Isaiah had, we're never fully going to be committed to the Lord and will never really be fit for his use. Until we really understand how desperately we need a Savior and how much, you know, what he's really saved us from and what it really costs and what we really are without him. Now, I've got to recognize the real me without him and who that person is and that it's, it's not a pretty picture. In fact, it's a very ugly picture, uh, desperately wicked and sinful full of darkness and that I needed him. We've got to get over this idea that people are somehow basically good. Scripture tells us they're not. We're not. We're lost. We're wicked. We're separated from God and that we have a sinful nature. And if we stop and think about it, that's really not hard to see. You know, little children and little babies, as cute as they are. Yeah, it didn't take long. Our oldest daughter, she was so cute when she was a little girl. And you, you start disciplining them, you know, and you start teaching them a little bit about no, no, you know, and, We'll swat on the diaper, not like that's really going to hurt. But you'd watch her and she'd go to do something and you'd say, no, no. And she'd stop. And then she'd look at you. That's the <laughs> sinful nature right there, okay? It's inherent in us, okay? Those things that we're not supposed to do, it's there. And those things stay with us. And we've got to come to that point of realization. And it's not about putting on the good front and making it look good outside. It's the heart. It's what's inside. And God's looking at that, you know. We can have it all going on outside to look smooth and slick and clean as a whistle and nobody has any idea, but we've got things going on in our heart that we wouldn't want anybody else to know. We need a Savior. And Isaiah had one of those moments. Here he is in the presence of a holy God and he's like, oh, he's got this realization, I'm unholy, I'm impure, I don't belong here, I can't survive here. But it's that despair of a clear picture of ourselves that's a vital part of our understanding of His grace because His grace is what makes it okay. His grace is what heals us, what restores us, what makes it right again, what makes us well again. And salvation without a, that personal crisis is kind of questionable at best. If we haven't walked through that moment of being undone and realizing that we're redone only by the grace of Christ, not because we can do it right, not because we can get this going on, not because we're a good person, but because it's the grace of Christ that covers us. If we don't come to that point, we're missing something. It's got to be his work alone. And yet we see the picture of that in this passage as well as, he, as the Lord sends one of the angels with a coal from the altar and he says, he touches him and says, you're cleansed. Your sin is atoned for. Because it is the Lord who atones for our sin and makes us right before him. Now, seeing our sin clearly also causes us to see the beauty of his grace. So it's not a depressing message. It is difficult to look at our own wickedness and the darkness in us, but it gives us so much more vivid picture of the beauty of God and his grace and the love that he has for us. The removing of our guilt and the covering of our sin is a gift of God and his holiness. The holy was given for the unholy, that's what we received in Jesus. And so it's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to our sin and, and to judgment and leads us to repentance. And so Isaiah walks into this and he sees the Lord and he sees himself. And finally, after that, Isaiah saw the plan of God. 
in verse 8. He goes through this experience and at the end of it all, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. What I hope we can see in this very simple single verse is this, that the voice of God is calling. The voice of God is calling. And the opportunity to hear it is available to anyone who will draw near enough to do so. What we see in Isaiah is that the voice was there, but it's after he becomes cleansed, after he has that covering, after his sin's been atoned for, then he can hear. And that's what happens to us too. You know, initially the voice of God is calling us to bring us home. But once we've been brought home, we've been made a part of his family, we hear this voice that's calling too. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And after refocusing on the glory of God and receiving God's atonement, just like Isaiah, we can hear the voice of the Lord calling and begin to see his plan. Then the question becomes, how are we going to respond? When we hear the voice in the very heart of God that has that same passion that he had for us, that same grace that we just realized how badly we needed, that same love that came and rescued us, and we realize all those other people out there who still need to receive that same grace and that same love, that same grace that we're so thankful for, that same love that's overwhelmed us, and that God's heart is still there for them to desire that they too would hear that message and receive that grace. When we hear that voice and and the very heart of God after his grace has done its work in us, what other response could there be than to be like Isaiah and say, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And it's the Holy Spirit then that equips us for that life and service in whatever he's called us to do, in whatever place that takes us to. Now, in the rest of this passage in Isaiah 6, the message that Isaiah is to carry as it's described as kind of sad because it's a prophetic message and it's to the people of God at that time who've not had eyes to see or ears to hear and they've lost their focus. And so it's kind of a message of judgment to them. But even at the end of that passage, we find the Lord promises that he always preserves a remnant. God is at work for those that he will save and rescue. Now, To kind of bring this back to you today about this idea about hearing his message and realizing, you know, Mike, you have no idea what you said when you started off this morning talking about how this is not about missionaries per se, but all of us. It's exactly it. And a big part of what I wanted you guys to get today. I've got another picture I want you to look at this morning. And the reason I want you to look at this picture is because there's something in it. What do you see? The reality of it is this is a picture of Jesus. Now, I want to ask, I don't want anybody to say anything, but if you can see Jesus in this picture, would you put your hand up? I have one. Can anybody <laughs> see Jesus in this picture? To turn our heads a certain way. You, you can do that any way you like. <laughs> but can you see Jesus in that picture? Just take a minute, relax, let your eyes kind of go fuzzy and focus and whatever. Can you see it? Do you see it? I don't know. I see a Okay. Do you see a person with a beard and a mustache? Do you see the nose and stuff there as well? No. No. Not seeing it yet. Anybody see it? Mike, can you offer him any help how to see it? Um, in the top center, you got um, the white part. 
it's kind of shaped like a T, but the, on both sides of the T is his eyes, and the bottom of the T is his nose. It's all white, the shading to the left, and then it, the hair and the beard and everything are right below that. This is one of those pictures where you kind of need to see the white rather than the black. If you focus on the black, you don't really see it. Anybody else see it yet? Great. This may not work the way I wanted it to this morning. <coughs> I've shared this picture with some of my friends in Thailand, and they loved it. It took some of them a while, too, but I had about a more 50-50 split, maybe, on ones that could see it and ones that couldn't. Anybody see it yet? Okay. Let me help you here. If you look here, and this area is a beard. And there's a little bit of the mouth. It's the white spot in between. And then the mustache over the top. And then the nose is kind of split in the shadow. It's like the shadow runs down the middle of the nose. So you have an eye on that side that's got a little white spot on the, on the cheek underneath. And the eyes in the shadow. And the dark streak on the other side is like an eyebrow of an eye. If you can see that face in there. This is the shoulder area down here. And this is the rest of the body over here. Does that help at all? Still can't see it, huh? <laughs> Mike, can you make the picture smaller? Uh, like zoom in on it? Make, make the picture go down in the image where it's tighter. Um, not that shrink, shrink the picture on the slide. If it's on a slide, okay. just make the picture smaller in the middle of the slide. Can you see it better now? Anybody? Sometimes that helps when it gets smaller. Because you're looking at the big picture rather than... Uh-huh. A little smaller again. Does that help? Can you see it, Sam? You can't see it either, huh? Interesting. <laughs> this is like a right shoulder right here. This is that face area that I'm talking about up there. This is just body down here. Oh, I see it. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> see if you can Yay. help somebody else see it. He already pointed. So. He did. <laughs> Tell them how you saw it. What made the difference? I, it's it's not just. I was looking for like just his face. So it's his face with the longer hair. And yes, the, the black beard. around the sides is the main white in the middle is would be like his garment. Yes. And then the black, where it's the solid black kind of towards the bottom left, is like would be like his right arm and shoulder-ish. Yep. Can anybody else see it yet? Wow. I'll make it smaller. Okay. I was just looking for his face, I guess, and it's not his face. It's no, it's like from here up. Yeah. It's like a mid-torso up. And his head's right at the top. It's cut off kind of at, the, at his forehead right here. The face is actually right at the top in the middle. Anybody else? I got two. Oh, I see him. Okay, good. <laughs> Got another one? Yeah. Can you help Jesse see it next to you? 
And the rest of the stuff to either side doesn't matter. Beard. This is his mouth, yeah. I know, right? Okay. All right, Kelly, you just vol- you just agreed to be my volunteer since you saw it. Okay. Now, how did it make you feel when you saw it? I was excited. You're excited, right? I was excited, yeah. Did it make you want to try to help everybody else see it? Yes. Ah. How do you think it make you feel when you can get them to see it? That would be great. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's kind of the idea we're getting at here. The whole idea is this big picture of what we do want to get people to see is Jesus. And they're so distracted by other things in the picture, they're missing him in the picture. And the calling that we have is to try to get them to, to help them refocus and to see him in the middle of the picture. That's, that's what we're all about. We don't, we don't uh, change people. Jesus changes people. We don't save people. Jesus saves people. Our job is just to get people to hear the story, to get them to refocus, to see him in the picture. That's what we do in Thailand. My job is just to get an opportunity to share the story, to get people to look, to try to get them to refocus and to see Jesus in the middle of the picture. But it actually is really exciting to get to be a part of that. It can be very frustrating, like we're seeing here this morning a little bit. Sometimes you just can't get people to see it. That can be frustrating. But it can also be very exciting. When you do see it, it's exciting to us, but it's exciting to get to share that with other people as well. The end of it all, the point of this is we are the church. We are his body, all of us, each one of us, as well as collectively. And we've got to be careful not to get caught up in doing church but to keep our focus on him and being the church. It's part of who we are, wherever we are and whatever we do. So what do we see? Have we really seen the Lord and have we been, or have we been attracted to something else? Is it the Lord that we've seen and that we're drawn to? Have we really seen our sin for what it is and been broken and fearful and, and desperate? And have we really seen the plan of God? And does our heart cry out like Isaiah's, here am I, send me. And we have vision and direction as a body for pursuing God's plan, but as individual believers, we also need to have a clear vision and a focus to be a healthy part of that body. And if we'll draw near to the Lord and allow him to open our understanding and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does in us, we will be found ready for his use and we will be experiencing the joy of his purpose being fulfilled in our lives and we'll experience the joy of getting to point other people to him along the way. Anybody else see it yet? Got a couple more that can see it. You feel relieved, don't you? Oh, I can see it. Okay, we'll leave that up there and you can try to help. The ones of you that can see it can try to help the other ones see it, okay? But I want to pray with you real quick and I'm going to have Pastor Mike come back. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much for the awesome love that you have for us. Lord, we hang so tightly to the words in, in Lamentations that Jeremiah wrote that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but rather they're new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's something that we can bank on, that we can count on. It's something that we need so desperately. 
Thank you, Lord, for helping us to see ourselves for what we really are and then for rescuing us from it. Lord, nothing compares to the love that you've had for us. And Lord, I pray that your love and your spirit would have their full and complete work in us that we'll realize that being one with you and being a part of your family really is who we are. It's not something that we do. And so, Lord, pointing other people to you and helping them see you in the middle of all the crazy picture of life, Lord, is it's not some weird abstract task that we do. It's just the way we live every day and the love that we show to people through the things that we do. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for their investment in us and their investment in Thailand and their partnership and what's going on over there. I thank you for what you're doing through them right here in the valley and right here in what you're doing in Ironton and the surrounding community. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to increase that and that you would bless the people of this community because this body of believers is here. So Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that your spirit would have his way in us. Lord, that we'd be anointed for the task and empowered and prepared. And Lord, that you would do great things as we walk in step with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.